Bibles, if you would. You don't have to stand today. We've got quite a text before us, but if you would, turn them to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Most of our texts are a couple verses, uh, 5, 10, maybe on the lengthy side. But every once in a while we come to one of these passages that is just um, one of those that you can't break up, nor should you. And we are always uh, very clear that we read the Bible here. In fact, the Bible tells us, as Paul tells Timothy, give yourselves to public scripture reading. That's part of the command of the Bible, especially of the church of the New Testament. We are to be a place where the Bible is read, the Bible is studied, and it is done so unapologetically. Believe it or not, the day that we live in um, is not very popular to read some, oh, what are we looking at? 49 verses in one sitting, but we know the command of God, don't we? We are to read the Bible, we are to study the Bible, and that's what we will do this morning. We're going to read Daniel chapter 2 in its entirety, and it's again, it's one of those accounts that uh, lends itself to reading. It's very amazing, dynamic, so it won't seem like that long, but we're going to read verse 1 down through verse 49 Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. And if you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation thereof. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore... Tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. Verse 10, the Chaldeans, had answer, the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asketh such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. Yet it is a rare thing that the king requireth, for there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said unto Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, 
Mishael and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with Him. I thank Thee and praise Thee, O Thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me what we desired of Thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, to whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known unto thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. But for their sakes it shall be made known unto the interpretation of the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Verse 37, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And whithersoever the children of men may dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, he hath given unto thine hand and hath made thee ruler over all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of iron, forasmuch as thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. 
And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. And forasmuch as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors to him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing that thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. And then Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this passage of scripture that is set before us. Speak to us through it, Lord, and Remove the distractions and take these truths that we might learn how to stand and how to speak the truth with boldness as Daniel does. Give me the grace to say what is needed. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's a pretty familiar story to you if you've, if you've heard it before. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He's given a dream from God. He can't figure it out and it troubles him. It causes him to lose sleep. So he asks his guys who are supposed to know this, the the astrologers, those who study the stars and, and uh, the horoscope kind of stuff, and these magicians and these historians, the Chaldeans. He asks them, hey, tell me the interpretation. But he doesn't tell them what the dream is. You see, he can't remember it. He can't quite express it. So he says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed, and I want you to tell me the interpretation. Well, of course, they say, nobody can do this. What you're asking, nobody can do. It's a, that, that secret, they say, only lies with the gods who do not dwell with men or whose interaction is not with men. So we can't do this. And, of course, Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, issues the order that they all be exterminated. Well, that's where Daniel steps in, right? He hears what's going on and immediately takes it to prayer. And the Lord reveals to him what is going on and he stands before the king. We're not going to go over the contents of the dream. We did that in a Wednesday night class. Um, Our focus this go-around is more on Daniel. And as we read historical accounts, the question is not just what happened, though it's important to know that. This is an important passage in Scripture. But it's not just important to know what happened. The question is also, what does this mean for me? Why is this in here? What is this teaching me? And so we look again and turn to the godly character of Daniel and how he handles different situations that he finds himself in. As we read, we see his godly character shine through and it teaches us, right? So just a few simple things I'd like to set before you this morning, some things that have spoken to my heart. We see first the distress of the king. The king is troubled, right? He can't sleep. He's... This thing is in his mind and it's taken root and and, and this dream he can't quite figure out. He doesn't understand what's going on. It's out of his reach. He, He can't quite put his finger on exactly what's wrong. 
Something is wrong. He doesn't know why, and he wants answers. And may I just say right from the get-go, there are so many in the world in the exact same situation. They're troubled, and they don't know why. It's not the trouble that they get in. It's deeper than that. There's a lot of people doing wrong things, evil things, bad things. Just turn on the news. You see it. Event after event. There's something deeper that's pushing the actions, you see. They're not troubled because they're getting in the trouble. There's something that's driving that deep down. What motivates them, what drives them down deep in their very being that works itself out in actions. There's a reason and something is off. Something is missing. There's that void within them that nothing seems to fill. Though they may try different things or different experiences or if I just do this or if I just get this or if I just fill in the blank, then I'll be okay. But they find that that never satisfies. It never truly, deeply satisfies. Or there is this anger, this frustration down deep within their souls and they're not sure why. Maybe everything, everything might look fine on the outside, but behind closed doors and down in their heart of hearts, something is missing. They're troubled. And again, we, we see it work itself out in various ways. It's the reason for drug and alcohol use and abuse, which most often is to numb away a feeling or a memory or try to forget something. It's a way to escape their current situation. Perpetually looking for the good time, right? This so-called good time, which means all the other times are not good because I want to get to the good time. There's something missing. There's that satisfaction, that joy that is not there that drives people to search for an escape. You see people in multiple relationships. Boyfriend after boyfriend, or girlfriend after girlfriend, or partner after partner, or husband after husband, wife after wife, because that satisfaction is, ne- is never there. There's never that peace, and so they look for it in relationships. Or you see it vent in attacks on others. That lack of self-worth, that lack of joy, that, that lack of self-satisfaction... You see it in the deep anger, the deep frustration that is vented, working its way out in hatred. If you ask people who are spewing hate on the streets, why? Why are you so angry? They don't know. They're just angry. They're angry at an idea. or They're angry at a picture of a person that they have in their minds. But down deep, why are you really angry? Why do you hate this person? They don't really know. Why? Because something's missing inside. There's a reason, a deeper reason. There's a need to feel desired. There's a need to feel part of a community. Think that's a driving force in humanity? Yeah, it is. We want to feel important. We want to feel like we matter. We want to feel like we belong, right? And that's why you see even in high school, junior high and high school, people attaching themselves to groups to feel part of the group, to feel part of those who are wanted. And it's no different when you get to adults. That's why we have so many people attaching themselves to these social movements. And that is not to say that there is not injustice. There is. There's wrong things being done and they need to be fixed. But people are joining the ranks of these movements 
because they want to feel part of a community. They want to feel desired, important, like they have a voice and like they matter. Looking for direction. Looking for leadership. Looking for a sense of belonging. And all of these physical acts, all of these physical or mental attitudes is an outward working of the problem within. You see, there is a why to the what. There is a reason for the actions. And it is a troubled soul with inside. People are searching for guidance. and Well, let me just say that a different way. They're searching for guidance. Whether they know it or not, they're searching for guidance. They're looking for help. The signs on the streets is a cry for help. The spewing of hatred is a cry for help because of something wrong inside. They find it in the wrong places, this guidance. They find it in the wrong people. But they're searching for it. And, and maybe they've been burned before. Maybe they, they've been sold a line by somebody and it didn't work. Or some Christian spewed some thing like pray it away. Or I don't, I don't know. Things that we can say rather foolishly and it didn't work. That's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Look in verse 8. The, the, his, his counsels are standing before him and say, You've you got to tell us what's going on. We can't do this. And you know what he, notice what he says. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty you want the time because you see that I can't remember. You're just stalling. Verse 9, If you will not make known to me the dream, there is one decree for you. You have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me. You're just going to lie to me. You know, that's a lot of people's reaction when you start talking about the Bible. Well, you're, you're just going to lie. You're just going to tell me something I want to hear. I don't got time for that. That's the case for most people around us. You understand? That's the case for most of the people around us. They're troubled inside. Maybe they've been burned before. And in some way or some form, they're searching for guidance. But they won't outright say that. Now, will they? No, you have to listen. You'll hear it. You'll hear it in the voices of the uprising. You'll hear it in the screams of hatred and violence. You'll hear it in the stories of what they did on the weekend. You'll see past the immediate to the deeper need. You'll see it in the depression, in the broken lives and hearts all around us. If we listen. And by the way, we should expect that. We should expect broken people in the world. We should expect sin to mess up people's lives. All around us are troubled souls acting in a way that springs from a sinful, broken heart. We know the cause. It's sin. It's sin. Not necessarily the sins that they commit. The sin that's in our very nature. The sin that has wrecked everything and broken everything. That's what it does. And we see that. We know that. That's normal for the world. You understand this Chaz stuff? This community, what they built? That's man at his best. That's normal. We have no ruler. We have no authority. We have no God but ourselves. That is man. 
that is the human sinful nature on full display. <laughs> Not working out very good now, is it? I saw one, somebody post a, a conversation that they were having on the, they got like this little community board that they, they talk about. And one guy was saying, hey man, my backpack, my cell phone, my laptop or something got stolen. Somebody stole it. I thought we were supposed to be a community here. And their response to me was amazing. Oh, well, sorry to hear about that, brother. But you need to understand, it could be that that individual had more need of it than you at the time. And so we need to, we need to understand. Count it as an unplanned donation. What? This, he stole the stuff, and now they're, it's an unplanned donation. So think of it. That's man. That's what we do. We make no sense. We think foolishly. We follow our own foolish heart and it implodes on itself. This little community in Seattle is a micro display of all of human history. That's what we have done. We have strayed from God. We have gone into our own sins. That's the problem with each and every one of us. Sin in a broken, troubled heart. And you and I know that only because the light of the truth of the gospel has shown us that, right? It takes the Holy Spirit working through His Word to turn on the light switch to show us, wow, I am messed up. This is my problem. It's not somebody else. It's not this circumstance. It's me. I'm not right with God. I know the deep issues that I have and have had that the gospel has shown me uh, not only that I have them, but what the cure is. The gospel shows us our problem and the gospel saves us from our problem. We know that, right? They don't. This world does not. And so when you hear these things, we need to understand that. When the world is troubled, when our friends are troubled, our co-workers are troubled, and they're spewing out all kinds of different things, we need to put the filter in. They need the gospel. That's the deeper need. They don't need to be set right on how good Trump is. They don't need to be set right on how foolish this movement or that movement or this thought or that thought is. No. We see through that down to the deeper issue to say they need Jesus. They need the gospel. Daniel is discerning in that. So we, we see the distress of the king, but I, I, I want you to see the discernment of Daniel. See how he handles it in verse 14. Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom. Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom, and um, that is his reaction. He hears what's going on, and then he inquires, right? In verse 15, he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, what's going on? Why is this decree so hasty? Why, why has this been said? And then he hears the answer, right? He listens. He listens. He doesn't give a response in verse 16, does he? He listens. When's the last time you listened without telling somebody what they need to hear? 
When's the last time we listened to an opposing viewpoint without the six-gun loaded of information and truth to fire rapid Clint Eastwood style as soon as they're done talking? I just I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to set you straight. Just stop talking so I can start. You ever feel like that? You ever do that? When's the last time we simply listen? Let me understand where you're coming from. Let me understand what you're going through, what your viewpoint is, or what the situation is. Listening without preconceived ideas, which very well may be true, but just to hear somebody, to hear the situation, to hear the viewpoint. When's the last time we listened? Notice how Daniel did not react. What on earth is this guy thinking? Here he goes again. What an idiot. Just another stupid liberal king of the world. Thinks he can do whatever he wants. All these Babylonians with their socialist ideas. I wish they would just stop. Kind of like us. Yeah, it's a little bit eerie that Babylonian sounds like Californian. We've got a governor who thinks he's the king of the world that would require us to bow down in different ways, that can... The word just went out of my mind. That can cause an explosion of frustration, of venting our own ideas, right? Oh, man. We can react, can't we? But Daniel doesn't do that. No, he's discerning which means he has the ability to judge well. He has ability to understand, put the pieces together and have a clear mind about it. No, see what he does? Verse 16, Then Daniel went in, desired of the king that he would give him time. By the way, the king didn't give the other guys time. He gives Daniel some time because Daniel had proved himself already in chapter 1 like we looked at. He had a good relationship with the rulers over him and, and conducted himself in a way that was with integrity. So the king gives him some time. He went in, desired the king would give him time, and he showed the king the interpretation. Verse 17, Then Daniel went into his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Verse 18, That they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret. He does two things here. He pauses, and then he prays. He pauses, and then he prays. He doesn't respond right away. He doesn't march right into the throne room and say, oh, all right, let's get to it, let me tell you. No, just give me some time. Some time to process it, and some time to pray. In fact, he tells all of his closest companions, his brothers, what's going on, and they all pray for the same thing. And perhaps we ought to put that into practice a little bit more than we do. Before we respond to somebody, whether it's somebody asking for advice or somebody venting their frustrations or whatever it may be, even if it's a verbal attack on us, we all know how that can work out in different situations. Maybe we ought to, before we respond, we ought to pause and pray. Now, sometimes you don't have the luxury of waiting overnight. Sometimes you can say, hey, you know what? And be, be honest about it. Say, you know what, let me just pray about this before I answer. And maybe we can talk about it again tomorrow. Sometimes you don't have that luxury, right? And it might, you might have only a few seconds to pause and to pray. You ever pray a prayer like that when you're talking to somebody and it's just a situation and you, you pray a prayer that's seconds long, something like, oh, God, give me grace. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me to say what is right. Or sometimes you're even praying while you're speaking. That's the right thing to do. 
to pause before you just fire off and ask for the guidance of the Lord. Lord, give me guidance in what I'm about to say right now. Of course, the best way is not only to pray for guidance yourself, but ask the church to pray. We do that, don't we? We send that out to one another. Hey, facing this, or can you pray for this? We ought to continue to do that. Hey, I'm really facing this situation. Guys, please pray for me. Please pray for this person. We would be greatly helped if we tried our best to put this into practice, right? Before responding, we pause and we pray because it opens the door for God to work. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then it's made clear. God shows him. God leads him. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this, but there are times when I have taken to, to just pause and pray. Things are revealed. Not, a, not saying I have night visions and all that. No. But light bulbs go on. If you take the time to listen and to pray about it, something they said rings a bell. Oh, I get it. I get what's going on. I understand. This happened. Or that happened. Or, like we said, they, they just need love and peace and grace that comes from Christ. And so instead of responding to the action, my conversation is going to be pointed to the need, right? Lord, give me grace to speak to what they really need, what really is going to help. So after he pauses and he prays in a discerning way, he listens, pauses, prays, he goes now with the answer. So third thing is Daniel dares to tell the truth. We're not going to go over the contents of the dream. We've already discussed it. It's an amazing prophecy of the future of the world. He has the next coming kingdoms down to a T. It's a really awesome passage of Scripture. But you need to understand, just him saying this, which is the truth, would put him in a hard place. One that we don't understand. Look at verse 26. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream? And then Daniel, verse 27, answered in the presence of the king. The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. These guys ain't going to cut it. The king handpicked all of them. That's his choice cabinet. So you know what Daniel's telling him? Yeah, you made the wrong choice. <laughs> These guys, ain't they can't. Verse 28, but... There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Boom. Right from the get-go. It's going to be God. God will make this known. Not all these experts that you have. These experts don't know anything. God will make it known. Nebuchadnezzar would know who he is too. Huh. Daniel, huh? Or Belteshazzar, that's what the king had been. You're the vegetable guy. You're the guy that eats vegetables and drinks water. My meat and my wine is not good enough for you. You're that guy, huh? Well, you're lucky you got away with it and it came out good. I remember you. So what makes you so special? You say these experts don't know. You, you say these people who have studied for years and years and I'm sure had a lot of letters after their name. You're saying they don't know better than you? Who are you? Well, it's not me. It's God. God reveals the secrets. And right from the get-go, he, he lays that down. 
It's God who will make this known, which would fly in the face of the one who thinks he is a God on earth. And he stands and he says that. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. Wheresoever the children of men dwell, and the beasts of the field, and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given unto thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. (laughs) That's bold. You're a king of kings, but God puts you there. God gave you this. Not a God, the God of heaven. He put you there. He made you ruler. I love that. Daniel is unashamed. He is bold as bold can be. Yeah, you're a good king. God put you there, though. Don't forget that. And he has given all this to your hand. He has made you. You didn't take it yourself. This ain't you. This is God. It's pretty bold. And then he goes on to tell him, your kingdom's going to end. You don't tell the ruler of the world that. Your kingdom's going to fall and somebody's going to come after you. In fact, he tells them of a coming kingdom that is greater, that is eternal, things that Nebuchadnezzar is not. That's daring and that's bold. He could have lavished on the praise. He could have shied away from the hard parts, but he didn't. Daniel is there to tell the truth, the whole truth, and so, beloved, are we. It's not easy to tell the truth, is it? The gospel message might be the sweetest news we've ever heard, but it is also the hardest news we've ever heard, isn't it? Because it tells us we're wrong. We have to hear that we're wrong. We have to hear that we're sinners. We have to hear about God's judgment. We have to hear about hell. We don't like that. Our human nature does not like that. We don't want to accept that we're wrong. But we must hear it. We must hear it, because that is the root problem. We are sinners, separated from God because of our sins. We face eternal and righteous judgment from God in hell because of our sins. We cannot save ourselves. We can't work our way out of it. We can't buy our way out of it. We are not exempt. All are sinners, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. That is the message of the Bible. And the only way that we can be forgiven of our sin and saved from an eternity of torment is by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus who died and gave His sinless precious blood so that we can be forgiven. He took our place and bore the wrath and judgment of God for our sins. And He offers us forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin and eternal life in heaven for those who believe, those who trust Him and place their faith in Him for salvation, in Him and Him alone. That is the gospel, and that is what we might hear, what we need to hear. And though we hear it and we might say amen, and though it might ring sweet and true in our ears, understand it may not be with the world. People don't want to hear they're wrong. People don't want to hear about eternity and hell and about God and His wrath and His judgment. They don't want to hear it. The Bible tells us this is because they're blinded, right? The enemy, the God of this world, hath blinded their minds. The only thing that can take that away is the Holy Spirit working through His Word. Conviction is God's work. Conversion is God's work. Salvation is God's work. We, 
We just bring the message. We just tell the truth. Do we? Or do we shy away from the hard parts? Do we talk about love and grace and peace and salvation, which are amazing? Do we talk about those things at the exclusion of sin, judgment, hell, wrath? Because that is the whole truth. We need to know why we need to be saved. And the Gospel tells us all. Daniel was bold enough to say it. Are we? You know what that little village in Seattle needs? It needs the Gospel. You know what it needs? Somebody to walk in there with a Bible and start person by person to tell the truth. You want to do that? That's scary, isn't it? Now you know where Daniel's at. Now you know the situation he stands in. What does he do? He doesn't shy away. He tells the truth. <laughs> this is from God. God has given you this. This is what you need to know, King. Right? Will we be as bold? Oh, I pray that I can be. We see the distress. Are we being discerning and daring enough to speak the truth? I pray that I could be. I pray that I will be. Let me just go on a side path for a while. Being Father's Day, dads, we got to put this into principle, and we put these principles into practice first. It's up to us. And we do it at home with our kids, nurturing and caring for them. Moms are built that way, right? They have. To, they seem to have this, for the most part, this nurturing, caring demeanor where they care about the kids. Somebody scrapes their knee, they don't go running to dad, right? They go to mom. Mom, look what happened. They, they just have the, that, that God-given gift that they're nurturing, they care for, and they're involved, and they listen. And, and they're just built that way. But that doesn't exclude us dads from having a great impact on the kids, No. In fact, we need to be active. We need to be involved. Dads, we need to be discerning. Listening to our kids. We ask about their day and what happened and listen to their struggles and how are their different relationships going, whether it be just friends or or even if they're at the age of dating or whatever it may be. Do we listen and listen to their struggles? So-and-so took my toy. That's a big thing for a kid. We We might say, oh, wow, big deal. For a kid, it is. It's like somebody taking your promotion at work. It's a big deal. Do we, do we listen? Do we listen? And even when they're not quite sure what's wrong, they're just in a mood, do we listen? And those aren't mom talks. You, you ever have that come up? Oh, like, go, go talk to your mom. That's the, ask mom about that one, right? No, those aren't mom talks. We need to be involved. Do we ask those questions when we see something is off? And do we listen to the answers? And I mean, listen. We need to be involved in that way, Dad. We need to be discerning and put the pieces together and see the root issue of the frustration or what might be going on and see the need and speak to that. And I'll tell you right now, when we do so, we need to pause and pray, don't we? Lord, give me guidance right now as I help or as I look to be a godly father. 
Us dads can like the one-liners, the barking orders. That is fine. Do this. Be done. On your way. <laughs> it's fine. Stop crying. Or because I said so. We like to give out those one-liners. No. They need more than a quick fix all answer. They need your thoughts. They need your heart, dads. They need your guidance. So we need to pause. We need to pray and pray with them. Because whether they act like it or not, they're listening. They're hanging on every single word. Every action impacts them. And let me just say, us dads, especially our girls. Us who have little girls, we've got a big job. We've got a big job. You realize us, dads, we cement in their minds what a man should be, how a man should treat a woman. And not just as they see it with mom. Of course, both son and daughter will be impacted by that. And they ought to see you loving your wife and kissing her and treating her good and, and cherishing her, as the Bible says. It's more than just that. It's how you treat them. It's how, we're gonna, how do we treat our little girls? We can build up or tear down their self-image. You see, if daddy thinks I'm beautiful, if daddy thinks I'm smart, and daddy thinks I'm acceptable just the way I am, then I am. And if, the, if we tell them that they are, and we show them, and we treat them right, it's going to safeguard against so much that the world's going to throw at them. So we need to be discerning in that. With our boys too, yes, but especially with our girls. Dads, we have such a blessed position and such a big responsibility. And yes, we need to tell the truth, the hard truths. No is an okay answer. And there'll be times where you tell them why. There's going to come an age when you tell them why you don't go here, why you're not allowed to hang out with so and so. And yes, you, Dad, you see, you do the work that I can't do as pastor. You bring the gospel home. You bring it on their level, in their life. Don't rely on me. In fact, in reality, I've got your back in this pulpit. Because when they hear it come from me, it's just backing up what has already been said at home. Daddy told me that. Daddy talks about that. Now pastor's saying it too. No, it's not easy, is it? It's a big job, but it's necessary. And I would say keep at it. I see your families. I know you all very well. I see the work being done with your kids. Keep at it, dads. They need you. You speak into your child's life like you cannot even imagine. And it's an influence that is needed and seems to have long gone by the wayside. What is going on outside is largely due to a father's failure in the home. Either his absence or his failure to be a good example and to bring scriptural principles into a home. Mom usually is a strong one. Dads, we've got to step up to the plate and guide our families and guide our homes. I see those principles here too. Will I be like Daniel to stand and tell the truth 
to guide my kids and my family into the truth, even when it's hard, even when it's not popular. Oh, I pray that I do, Lord. Yes, there's so much for us to learn. I'll just remind you of that old phrase that we're kind of focusing again for these next few weeks. Dare to be a Daniel. Oh man, there's so many in distress all around us and we know why. We know that they need the Gospel. It's not some social cause or injustice that's causing the problems. It's sin. It's a lack of peace and grace that comes from Christ. Let's be discerning in that. The world needs Jesus just the same as we do. So let's then let's go and dare to tell the truth. Let's tell them. Tell them what the gospel says. You know how this would apply in your life and the different situations you face. I know there's much that I need to work on in, in my conversations in the workplace, how I ga- engage with those in society around me. And yes, as a dad, I am far from perfect. I'm far from perfect. But with the Lord's help in all of these areas, I can stand boldly and declare the truth. And it just, be, it just might be that some of it takes hold. What does Nebuchadnezzar say in verse 47? It's a truth that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. The light will pierce the darkness. Hearts can be changed. And that's God's work. We just dare to stand and speak the truth in a discerning way that God can use to change hearts. So may He give us that strength. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank You for this day, for the many blessings, for the examples that You've given us in Scripture, Lord, here with Daniel. Lord, give us the same boldness to to speak the truth into whatever situation we might find, Lord, especially in the, the day of unrest and chaos that is around us. Give us grace in that, Lord, that we might be discerning and that we might look to You and uh, for answers and for guidance. Help us in our homes as dads as we seek to honor You in all that we do, Lord. And I ask a blessing on each father here, uh, whether their kids be young or grown you would still give us the strength to, to lead as you would have us to. Just ask your blessing on this message. Do the work now that only you can do as you move among us by your Spirit, Lord. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.